point start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And welcome to episode 115, I think, of Ignition, uh, back after a couple weeks. Good to see you again, Father. And always wonderful to see you, Dr. Bergwald. And before we start at touch base, just a reminder to our listeners, once again, broken record this way, but, uh, but we, we strongly believe in it. If you have any questions, topics for future episodes, um, complaints even, please email them to me, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, c-b-u-r-g-w-a-l-d at sfcatholic.org. Uh, we'd love to get listener feedback and ideas for future episodes. Um, so having said that, Father, how are you doing? Better than my sins deserve. Amen, uh, brother. Had a great, great Thanksgiving. Uh, had a great uh, retreat earlier on in November. I think uh, since the last time I podcasted with you. Uh, yes. And so just uh, doing very well. Glad to hear it. Very happy to hear it, Father. My, um, uh, my, my beard is resplendent in glory. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's uh, moving towards its fully operational strength. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I have not trimmed my beard, dear listeners, since uh, the middle of October, some uh, seven weeks ago. Uh, uh, first that laziness and now in union with a couple of my uh, college students who are on the Jackrabbit football team as they advance in the playoffs for Division I uh, FCS. And uh, so uh, very go Jacks, uh, destroy the bison uh, <laughs> on Saturday. And so anyways, yes. The, uh, the, 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 I don't know if it's an intentional Star Wars illusion with fully operational beard or not, but oh, uh, the, the Death Star reference is very apropos for this monstrosity that I see on my screen. So. It's only monstrosity to those who do not know it and know its lovingness, just in the same way that the God, dark side, know him, oh, 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 the dark, um, oh, might find God to be uh, terrible and frightening I thought, uh, in his immensity. <laughs> so yes so much uh, like in the old testament where they said you know lest we look on the glory of the lord and die actually to be honest what i thought of initially uh upon gazing upon your visage was um michelangelo's uh sculptor of moses with the horns coming out of the forehead you know you got horns coming out of your chin as far as i can tell but uh anyway P father why are we talking about this the listener can't see you no. so you know Shall we then your move podcast. on? Your Let's podcast. move on to things of greater substance, perhaps. Um, <laughs> uh, so, as uh, of course, uh, our, I'm guessing most of our listeners know, we are in the midst of well, not quite the midst. It's still the beginning months of the year of faith, and the Holy Father has, of course, asked us to study the Catechism, study the documents of the Second Vatican Council. Um, he has, and I had somebody ask me about this. What about the Bible? Well, that's, I think, for Pope Benedict, that's sort of a given. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a, a few years ago now, there was a synod gathering of bishops in Rome, just as there was this fall in the new evangelization. This prior one had been on uh, sacred scripture in the life of the church. And there was a beautiful exhortation, which came out, I think, two years ago um, from Pope Benedict called Verbum Domini. 
um, the word of the Lord, um, uh, sort of summarizing and giving his thoughts as well, summarizing the synod and giving his thoughts on, on scripture. And certainly, so for Pope Benedict in particular and the, and, and the teaching of the church, generally speaking, uh, Catholics are, are deeply encouraged to, to soak themselves in the Holy Writ. Um, so even though it hasn't necessarily gotten that, that sort of um, direct, explicit directive, we haven't received that this year of the year of faith. Again, it's still implicit. Would you agree with that, Father? Uh, most definitely. Yeah, so, so um, be not concerned. The church is not abandoning the Bible. Um, however... <laughs> It does sort of lead us roundabout to our topic today. Well, if, if you read the catechism, you learn that the catechism is very biblical and very rich in its tapping of and explaining of the sacred scriptures. Exactly. And the catechism itself, you know, when it talks about scripture, draws heavily on um, one of the documents of the Second Vatican Council, one of the most important documents, the Dogmatic Constitution on Divine Revelation, um, Dei Verbum. So definitely, by reading the documents the Holy Father's asked us to read, we'll see reference to scripture. Uh, so, so when it comes to, to Catholics and, and, and the Catholic Church's teaching on the Bible, one thing that a lot of Catholics and especially other Christians ask about is what exactly the Church's understanding of the Bible is. Some, some people think um, that the Church um, minimizes the Bible. The Church places the teachings of the Pope perhaps, um, above the Bible, uh, and so on. Certainly, Father Dickinson thinks that I, as a theologian, minimize the importance of the Bible. But what is the truth of the matter? That's what we're going to talk about today, dear listener. We're going to clear the air. We're going to separate fact from fiction. We're going to get to the bottom of all these misconceptions on the part of other Christians, but also Father Andrew Dickinson. <laughs> right, Father? Yes. Yes. <laughs> most, most definitely. Most definitely. We are, we are certainly going to get to the bottom, but maybe not to the bottom of my beard. Um, I don't know if I've actually felt my chin in a while, but we will get to the bottom of the subject. Well, here we go. No, no, okay. That's you going back to the, the thing that cannot be seen. Um, so the Bible, Father, obviously I know that we share this, but, but uh, since you love to trumpet your love of the Bible, uh, what, uh -oh, what uh -oh. What exactly does the Catholic Church teach about sacred scripture? We love uh, it. We love it. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that? No, because you're the one who elaborates on church teaching. I'm the one who elaborates on the scriptures. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how this works. Jeez. <laughs> Never the two shall meet. I'm going to make you elaborate it. You have no choice to, but to elaborate. Well, of course, uh, the scripture is the holy word of God. It is unerring in matters of faith and morals. Uh, the scriptures flow from, uh, their, their source, I should say, is the eternal word, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And uh, our Lord is the, uh, the author of all scriptures in that regard, uh, through uh, fallible human author, authors, but guided by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the scripture, so that's a little bit of kind of the scriptures, in fact, their origin is that they come out of the life of the church, both the church of Israel uh, in uh, uh, the old covenants, and then, of course, the uh, church of Jesus Christ in the new covenants. Um, the Catholic church, uh, uh, and it is the church it's herself who ratifies what is scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, there would be no collection of scripture unless the church collected it 
bound it together, named it uh, for what it is. And I think that's kind of it for a nutshell, maybe. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a great nutshell. Um, so, you, just to elaborate on what you had to say, uh, we we speak of the Bible as inspired in in a in a particular way. We'll talk about tradition in a bit, but but sacred scripture is unique in that it, it is God breathed. Uh, the, the the a transliteration of the of the Greek word used in the New Testament with regard to the Bible. Um, that that there are other teachings of the church. Um, but scripture alone is God breathed and unique that way. And as you said, it's inerrant. Um, there is no error in the Bible. Now, one thing that we, and we're not going to focus a lot on the Catholic understanding of how to interpret scripture today, but, but uh, I think it is important father to, to note that the Catholic understanding, the, the Catholic um, approach to interpretation of scripture is it's, it's, it's crucial and necessary to understand what the author intended. What is, what is the genre uh, the literal sense of the text. So, you know, we've talked before. Yeah, Father, please. Well, I, I don't know if I'd say literal sense. I'd say the literary sense of the text. Uh, I, I would, in fact, say the literal sense. Uh, oh. um, so I like, I like the phrase literary. Uh, the, the, the literary genre, but literal sense. When we speak about oh. the four senses of Scripture, the first oh, is okay. the literal. Um, so the... Um, you know, we've talked before about science and faith and and evolution and so on, and how the, the Catholic Church, to some degree, and particularly the whole Genesis, uh, how do we understand one, Genesis one and two, and the wars between the the evolution proponents and and some Christians, and how the Catholic Church really has no dog in that fight because we emphasize that you need to read the creation accounts, as with all of Scripture, um, they all need to be read. Uh, according to the literary genre, uh, the intention of the author. Um, and, and that's, that's you know, so, so the Bible is, is a collection of 73 individual texts, each which is with, with an, a human author, and as you said, um, uh, the divine author as well. And so we need to take the human authorship into account and look at the mode of writing, the mode of literature that they employed when they wrote their specific text. Right? Very much so. Uh, to look at that and consider that of their intention. And that's part of the literal reading of the text. You can't reduce literal reading to just a bare bones. Um, well, this says this. Um, in fact, I, I, as we're talking about this and with reference to Genesis, I remember sitting on a plane next to uh, a Baptist man, and he, I was wearing, of course, my, clerical, uh, my official clerical attire. Um, any clothes I wear are clerical attire because I'm a cleric. And I'm never not a cleric. And so the clothes don't make me, I make the clothes. And so I was, was going to ask what unofficial clerical attire is, but you just explained Well, that's it. what I was thinking there. Is, uh, I mean, when, when I go running, I'm wearing clerical attire because I'm a cleric who's retired, <laughs> you know. Um, but anyways, uh, I, got, I stole that from Father John Zulsdorf, actually. Okay. But um, in uh, uh, a synex on the plane this, in, uh, to this Baptist man, and he said, why just try to take scripture simply as it is? He was talking about Genesis. So I said, why try to read it as the author intends it? Right? Why just take scripture simply as it is? So I said, well, what about John chapter 5? Or John chapter 6, the gospel of John chapter 6. And he's like, pardon me. And I said, well, Jesus says, amen, amen, unless you eat of the flesh of, son, of the Son of Man or drink of his blood, you do not have life within you. And he said, well, blah, blah, blah. I said, hey, I'm just trying to read scripture simply as it is. Right. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so the literal sense always has to include that idea. 
Right. So we have to be attentive to what was intended. Um, but, but again, though, so it, th there's still inerrancy within that. So um, yes, that that's that's sort of the point that we and the and the church does hold sacred scripture in extremely high regard. Um, if if you do want to look up, dear listener, a summary of um, maybe maybe a bigger nutshell than, than the one that we provided, or certainly a more official and authoritative nutshell. In the Catechism um, of the Catholic Church, you can find copies of it online if you don't have your own. Um, Article 74, not page 74, but Article 74 through 137 explains the Catholic understanding of how God reveals himself to us um, and the Catholic understanding of sacred scripture. And of course, as I mentioned before, Dei Verbum from Vatican II, the Constitution on Divine Revelation, in a nutshell, a really concise, beautiful exposition presents that teaching. Um, and also, I mentioned De Verbum Domini, it's a little bit longer, uh, it's, but I think that would be the next stage if, if this is something you're really interested in. Um, read De Verbum, read the Catechism, and then tackle Verbum Domini as well um, for, for a, a, a fuller exposition of the Church's teaching on Scripture. Um, so what we see... In, so Maybe just we, uh, another way, too, to notice the... Uh, maybe more practical way to notice how the Church reverences Scripture would be in uh, the order of the mass. Mm -hmm. um, there's an old phrase that says, uh, lex orandi, lex credendi, the, the law of worship is the law of faith. And, and the relationship between that. And so we see that the church incenses the sacred God, the holy God, the book of the gospels. Yep. We see that the priest will reverence the book of the gospels with a kiss. We say we stand up uh, for the proclaiming of the gospels. We see that the bishop when he says Mass, can even give a benediction, a blessing, right in the middle of Mass, given with the Book of the Gospel. So that's another way to see just how the Church reverences sacred scripture. Right. There's, um, I think it's in Dave Verbum, reference to how we, just as we venerate Christ present in the Eucharist, we also, although in a different degree, we also venerate Christ present in the sacred text of the Holy Bible. So, um so we do hold scripture in extremely high regard, but we also, as many people know, we, we, we recognize that God reveals himself to us, not just through sacred scripture, but also through sacred tradition. And actually, this is, this is pointed out by the Bible itself. Um, I, I think a, a, a prime example of that. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Are you going to reference the Bible? Is, is, would that be okay? I mean, I, uh, I, let me say, let me check with the uh, uh, rules and let me see if that's allowed. And it is. Oh, <laughs> um, Saint Paul speaks in a couple places somewhere in the Bible. You know, I, 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 I don't know how to quote the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Saint Paul speaks about. Um, I think it's the Second Thessalonians, actually, about two fifteen, to be more precise, um, about how uh, God. Or, this is what Saint Paul says in Second Thessalonians two fifteen. So then, brethren, stand firm. And hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. So to hold fast to the traditions, the teachings that you were that you were taught by us, whether we taught them to you by word of mouth or by letter. So St. Paul is already referring to the fact that he has communicated gospel truths to the people of Thessalonica, both in writing, but also verbally, orally. So right away there, we have in the beginning of, of the church uh, reference to the two streams 
by which God reveals himself to us and communicates his truth to us uh, in Scripture. Father. And the two streams from the one source that yes. uh, uh, both the apostolic tradition and the sacred scriptures have the one source of uh, the apostolic teaching, the apostolic mission as, as they were taught by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. This is, this is how um, Dave Verbum puts it in Article 9. There exists a close connection and communication between sacred tradition and sacred scripture. For both of them, flowing from the same divine wellspring, in a certain way merge into a unity and tend toward the same end. So exactly what Father was just saying. So, so we have these two ways by which God reveals himself to us and communicates his teachings to us, not just at one time in history, but then throughout all of well, the rest of history ever since then. Scripture and tradition. And then Jesus gives us um, two out to us in the sense of humanity, he gives us an authoritative interpreter for us for us to to help us understand the meaning of scripture and tradition when necessary. And of course that authoritative interpreter is the magisterium, the the bishops as the successors to the apostles, uh, with the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, the successor of St. Peter at, at the head of them. Um, and one thing, Father, that I think, you know, you and I know, but sometimes Catholics and even other Christians particularly um, think that we elevate the, the Pope and the bishops above uh, sacred scripture and tradition, and we do not. The Church's teaching is very clear that, that the magisterium, the Pope and the bishops, are there to serve and guard and protect divine revelation in scripture and in tradition, not in any way to trample upon them. No, no, always at the service of the word in that way. Right. Um, one of the title, uh, I think it's one of the Latin titles of uh, His Holiness the Pope is, uh, is it Servus Servorum Dei? Yep, Servant of the Servants of God. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and again, that's a, that's a, just a quick summary. Um, if you look at the Catechism, look at Dei Verbum, you'll see all the references to Scripture uh, making this point that that we hold to both, or why we hold to both of sacred Scripture and tradition and the role of the magisterium. But again, uh, as, as I've said repeatedly, other Christians have questions about that because most, not all, but most other Christians accept only the Bible. They believe in Scripture alone or the Latin sola scriptura, uh, this, this belief that we should look to secret Scripture, to the Bible alone for matter on matters of faith and morals. The Bible alone is, is our authority. The Bible alone interprets itself. There is no authoritative interpreter. So there's no sacred tradition because we only look to the Bible. There is no magisterium, no authoritative interpreter because scripture interprets itself. Um, Father, how, how, what are some ways that you would respond to that? Well, um, I think the first thing would be, uh, I think as you point out, where is that idea in the Bible? So where in that Bible, uh, where in the sacred scriptures does it say that you should look here and only here, exclusively here, sola, alone, uh, and nowhere else uh, for the understanding of uh, the teachings, the life, the way, the truth, and life of Jesus Christ? I think that would be a, a, just maybe a first round. And I don't know if you want to name a couple of them sure. exclusively or, and then go to each one. I think the other thing I would look at is uh, what are the fruits? A tree shall be known by its fruits, Jesus says. And so what are the fruits of uh, sola scriptura? And I think when you follow that sola scriptura path, 
you see a greater fracturing in uh, uh, disunity of uh, the Christian church. And then uh, the third, second thing, I, the third thing I look at is the historical development of scriptures, and how does this hold in line with the historical development of the sacred scriptures? Those would be the first three that popped to my head. Yeah, the um, I, I want to focus on on well, mention, I guess talk about all three insofar as we have time. Where in the Bible, I, I referenced uh, what, what Paul says in, in 2 Thessalonians, um, St. Peter himself has an interesting uh, statement which applies here um, mm. in his second letter as well. Um, whoa, whoa, you're quoting scripture twice? Again, in one podcast. It's incredible. Let, I'm letting this down. <laughs> um, so this is 2 Peter 3, uh, verse 15 and 16. Paul says, and count the forbearance of our Lord's salvation. So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Speaking of this as he does in all his letters. And then Peter goes on with a very interesting statement. There are some things in them, in Paul's letters, there are some things in them hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So, so Peter is saying something which I think is certainly true, that there are some things in Paul's letters that are hard to understand. Um, you know, it's, so this idea of the Bible being self, self-interpreting, that it's completely, um, what it, it, that, that it's very easy to understand everything in the Bible is, is, is false, as the Bible itself indicates. As Peter says here, referring in particular to some of Paul's letters, or some of the things Paul says in his letters, not everything is just, oh, that's pretty obvious. I, I got that. There are some things there that are hard to understand. So on the one hand, we find nothing saying in the Bible, you should look to the Bible alone. We find just the opposite. Um, and we also find reference to the fact that the Bible is hard to understand, which to me points to the, leads to your second point about the, the fraction and disunity which Sola Scriptura has caused. Um, there are all sorts of disagreements. What is what is the, what is Jesus' teaching X, Y, and Z? You get virtually some all sorts of different opinions, numerable opinions on virtually every Christian doctrine um, among various Christians. So, so if the Bible alone is uh, well, the Bible alone, it would seem to be can't explain itself because if you look at all the well-meaning, prayerful Christians who arrive at all sorts of different interpretive conclusions, right? Very much so. And even just, too, in that way, you can also then see some positive fruits of things that are not explicit in the Bible alone, such as the Holy Trinity, which I think most Christians would believe and profess in, that God is three persons, and that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, um, and so on and so on and so forth, but that, that each are equally and fully God. I think uh, that whole truth of the Holy Trinity in that way um, would not be denied, but at the same time, you will not find that explicit doctrine in the scriptures. Right, and you know um, this that as you were that, that example that you used reminded me of a one of the best books I've written focusing on this topic of of you say scripture. Written? One of the best books written. Oh, yeah. okay. I was that you. No, not, not that I wrote. No, 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 no. No, Mark Shea, um, who was an adult convert to Catholicism, is an adult convert to Catholicism, has a great book called By Whose Authority? Mm -hmm. An Evangelical Discovers Catholic Tradition. And Mark uses that example of the Trinity um, where a lot of Christians, just because they're rightly raised believing in the Trinity, they're taught the Trinity. But um, 
by they don't realize that um, the Trinity isn't as obvious in Scripture alone as they think. It's certainly there. It is there. But but throughout history, many people have come to alternative interpretations. Um, the greatest one of the great early church heresies, Arianism. But then more recently, um, the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons um, have come to different conclusions about the, uh, what Scripture says about the Trinity. Well, and uh, even like uh, the Mormons uh, will often use that argument of, well, "Won't you just read the Book of Mormon and see how your heart burns?" Right. Right. Or things like that to try and and so they use that for a non-canonical book. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So and then to the third point that you raised for the history. I mean and, and you referred earlier to the collect that the fact that the church ratified uh, the the collection of books which make up the Bible. So the list of the books in the Bible, the technical term is the canon. So the canon of scripture, this is not to say the church does not believe that she inspired the Bible. God inspired scripture. But you had all these writings. I think sometimes you know people just not maybe aware of or not thinking through um, the early stages of Christian history, either don't know or forget or don't realize that there were all sorts of writings um, which some people held to be inspired, and there were writings which are in the Bible that some people held not to be inspired. So you had you know several gospels, dozens of books claiming to be gospels. Um, you had people saying that the Book of Revelation was not inspired, and other books in the, that we would regard as such uh, as well. All this significant confusion, um, lack of clarity about uh, what's in, what exactly is inspired and what's not, and it was God working through the magisterium, through the bishops, um, who said. These are the inspired texts, and by implication, those others are not. Um, and 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 there was, yeah. So by by what the fourth fifth century, we see authoritative lists of of the canon of scripture. We will talk about either Nicaea or Constantinople. Okay, yes. So somewhere on there, certainly there were local councils. Um, and their names escape me as well. And, but in any case, we see in the early centuries of the church, the bishops coming together and saying, these books are the inspired, those others, by implication, again, are not. Um, and again, historically, just looking at also how Christians uh, understood scripture and tradition, the idea of sola scriptura itself didn't come around until just before the Reformation with some of the... Uh, the um, the sub fourteenth or fifteenth century theologians Huss and Wycliffe do we really see reference to the idea of the Bible alone and certainly with Luther and the others reformers but but really up until the mid second millennium there was this just clear understanding scripture and tradition um, authoritatively interpreted by the, the magisterium we could go into maybe some uh there's maybe some some maybe more dishonest uh uh opponents of the church's teaching and scripture and tradition might at that point then say well but you know the church kept bibles under lock and key for the first 1500 years or something silly like that which is a which is really just a claim used to try and distract good catholics or anyone else who's thinking in a sense uh, even though it's not uh historically uh proper to just think about it in that way because I mean, books were a uh, luxury item in a sense in the first 1,500 years of Christianity simply because you didn't have a printing press. You didn't have things available. You didn't have just like 
unread books lying around your house like we do today, like Dr. Bergwald does in his office. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Oh. As he's surrounded by books. He has more books than I have beard right now. Well, that's, that's yeah, I, I, I hope that will always be true. I, I'd be very afraid if that were ever not true. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, and, 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 and the other thing, the, the corollary to that, Father, or a related point, who copied the Bible? Who made the copies of the Bible before the printing press? Monks with beards. Monks with beards, yeah. Monks, wait, wait. Uh, now, you mean Catholic monks? Is there any other kind? Well, I mean, there's like Tibetan monks. Oh, that's true. That's, that's true. So, but, but <laughs> the, uh, uh, the other thing too, along those points, um, not only no printing press, but most people couldn't read. The church didn't keep the Bible away from the people. The people couldn't read the Bible. Right, which is why, and, and where, and when people began to learn to read, where did they learn to read? In Catholic universities, Catholic schools run by monks and sisters. Yes, and friars. Right? And, and and also then before they could read, where would they read and study scripture? In the stained glass of their cathedrals and churches, in the statuaries, in the paintings and tapestries, in the art, they would read scripture in the art. Exactly. So if somebody could read, they usually could find, maybe not their, get their own copy because of the reasons you gave, but they usually had access to the Bible. So yeah, that, you're right. There are some... Um, Silly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. Some good people who hold the, make those arguments, but but well, the arguments silly themselves arguments. are silly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. I, again, though, I, I would encourage you to to look at the Catechism, De Verbum, Verbum Domini, Mark Shea's book. There are all sorts of other good Catholic apologetics works out there that explain church teaching on this more. But those are are certainly some places to start. Father, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? No. Good. Well, <laughs> um, with that, we will wrap up and we will see you during at next year. Oh, I see what you did oh, there. Oh. Next, year? Oh. next week with another episode of Ignition. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignition. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future topics, you can email me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. That's C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Again, thanks for listening.